This is the all-new Sonny Melendrez Show. Each week we strive to bring you entertainment and inspiration through storytelling, fascinating guests, exclusive celebrity interviews, and it's all delivered with lots of enthusiasm. So, let's get on with the show. Sunny Radio, SunnyRadio.com It began as a delightful television series in the 1950s and 60s. And now, Leave it to Beaver is a worldwide phenomenon, and its star has truly become an American icon. I am so happy to reconnect with Jerry Mathers, the Beaver himself. How are you? Hey, Welcome. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm probably even doing better, because no. everything's going really well for me. Oh, God bless you. Well, it's, it's so great to reconnect with you. And I want to share the little story of how we met Back in uh, the 70s, I was on the radio at KMPC in Los Angeles, and I wanted to find out where you were. In fact, I had a feature on the show called Whatever Became Of, and found out that uh, you were uh, a loan officer at the Security Pacific Bank, and I believe it was Granada Hills. I was in quite a few of them, not, not for any reason, except that I was a, uh, a loan officer, so I had about three different banks. That was probably my uh, home office, basically, at the yeah. time that I would go around and check out people for home loans all over. And in Los Angeles, you know, people are always buying houses, so I would go and make sure their credit was good. Yeah. And, uh, the house they were buying was really there. What did they say when you you said your name was Jerry Mathers? I think a lot of people, when they saw the name, said, oh, well, you know, it's, it's Jerry Mathers. Maybe it's a different one. And when they met me, they said, well, he's an actor. And, you know, the Beaver... He was a very nice person, but uh, I don't know if you'd want the beaver for your a real estate <laughs> person, especially if they were going to be negotiating for yeah, right. you know, the prices of houses out here in California. <laughs> I know, but, I know. You know. I'd get them in, I'd talk to them and find out what they wanted. And, sure. Um, take them out and show them the different houses in their price range. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I had a very, very successful time in, in real estate. In fact, I, the only reason I got out of it was in the uh, early 80s, we did the new Leave it to Beaver, and so I did a a series for nine, oh, eight years, um, so I was working full-time doing a series. Then. Right. So that's the really only reason I got out of real estate. Well, I'm sorry to derail you, but it was it was great, great insight there. So back to the story of how we met. So I called you. You were so nice, and I said, I'd like to take you to lunch. And you said, great. And I had a friend, a dear friend, his name was Bo Halfon, who was like the Leave it to Beaver Jerry Mathers fan of the world. And, and I said to him, I said, we're going to go have lunch. And I didn't tell him with whom. And so we, we show up at the bank. And then when I asked for Jerry Mathers, he looked at me and said, no way, no way, no way. <laughs> and then I had a, a, a two-seater, a two-seater car. And uh, you said, we can go in your car. And if I, if I remember correctly, you had a Firebird. Does that sound right? That's absolutely right. Yeah, you had a Firebird, and we went to a Chinese restaurant. And I have to tell you this. When we were walking to your car in the parking lot, we're walking behind you over to get to your car. We look at you, and you're walking 
like the beef. <laughs> well, you know what? People pretty much walk the same their whole life, I think. So yeah. <laughs> I think I was walking more like Jerry Bathers and the beef walks like me. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> well, I, I must say that, that you were so gracious, so nice, and uh, and that continues to, to this day. All right, oh, so let's start out with when you're two years old, you actually had a career before Leave it to Beaver. What was oh, your, very, what was your very first? Oh, much so. Yeah, very, tell me about that. So. Well, my mom was walking through a department store, and my mom was from Minnesota, but she had lived in Los Angeles for most of her life. My dad was from Iowa, and he was, at that time, he retired as a superintendent of L.A. City School System, but at that time he was a coach and a teacher, and so they didn't have a lot of money. I was the firstborn. I have uh, a sister and uh, quite a few brothers, so um, we were walking through a department store, and um, a lady came up to her and said, "Is that your little boy?" And she said, "Oh, did he touch something? Did he, you know?" And we were walking through the children's department, and the lady said, "No, but we've just noticed you tried a few things on him, and he fit our clothes absolutely. They just look so nice on him. He seems, you know, very. I guess uh, he's not." panicked or anything he's not running around the store <laughs> he'd be a model for us and my mom just kind of went i uh, you know i what is this is this some kind of a catch is yeah. what's going to happen yeah well he said well you know what if he could do this we're having a fashion show within like you know a couple days and we the boy that was wearing the two-year-old clothes has outgrown them he could be paid, and we could let him keep a few of the outfits. My mom said, I'm sure he could do that. <laughs> and so that's actually how I started, and what a lot of people, and I mean, I just know this because uh, TV was just starting then. Yes. And they're in New York, they could go to the New York stage and find a lot of child actors to be in live TV. Here in Los Angeles, most of the people that worked, worked in films. And so there wasn't anybody that worked in front of a live audience there were a few, you know, that worked on stage, but not very many. Mm -hmm. And so they said, but the, the models go out there, they do little, you know, turnarounds and walk up and down, and maybe we could do one of those. So I went on my first interview, got the job, and started working all the time. I did movies with Bob Hope, uh, Alan Ladd, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Billy wow. McLean. So I did a lot of movies and live TV. The sad part about that is, most of those, they were live, so it wasn't like today where they're on videotape. Right. They went out, and that was it. But I worked all the time before Leave it to Beaver on both movies and television. Isn't that something? And the whole time, you had, I guess, when you started school, you had tutors. Who right, were... I had a private tutor, which is, you know, basically the, the education of the kings and queens of right. Europe, because they... They get the very best teachers because it, it pays a little bit more, not a whole lot more. Sure. But it's, you know, a very prestigious job. So yeah. you know, if you're at the first grade, you have one of the best, and the LA Unified School District is a huge school district. Right. You have one of the best teachers. She makes sure that you are up to grade and even if beyond. In fact, after I finished Leave it to Beaver, I went to high school, but I'm a graduate of Berkeley. Yes, I know. It's amazing how you stayed the course and really uh, were very mature in that way. When it came to Leave it to Beaver, you're what, five, six years old, or ten years old? How old are you then? Uh, I was about eight, I think, uh -huh. when I had actually did the original pilot, but it took them a while to sell it. They had about, honestly, it sounds crazy, but they had about a thousand people on the interview, but it just wasn't for the Beaver. It was a cattle call. For Wally and Eddie Haskell and yeah. all our friends, too. So it was a huge interview. And, you know, it kind of got kind of a little repetitious because we kept having to go back, and they had like maybe four or five people that they were 
considering for the Beaver part and four or five people for the Wally part and Eddie Haskell and Lumpy and all the different people. Sure. So they kept calling us back and back and back to go and read with the other people to see how, you know, the entire cast would interact. So you'd go back and maybe, you know, Tony Dow was there, but nobody else, and the five or ten people would come in to read for Lumpy. So it was getting to be, you know, kind of an odd thing. Sure. You didn't know that they were really considering you, but um, at, at the very end, I was the last one standing. In fact, the funny part is, for the pilot, which is before you start doing 39 a year, right? Um, Tony Dow wasn't even in it. There was another boy, but he grew to be from like five feet or five two to over six feet by the time they got <laughs> ready to do the actual series. So he's in the pilot, but then they replaced him with Tony Dow. Wow. Tony Dow had only been in one other movie, or one other, I guess it was a television show. Mm-hmm. It was called Johnny Wildlife. It was kind of like Tarzan. He played the part of the boy because what he really was was a champion swimmer and diver. In real life. In real life. Wow. Was, that's what he wanted to be. And he went on this interview because they said they were looking for someone who was very athletic for this other one. And his mom, the agent, called him up and said, well, they're looking for an all-American boy. And he went on the interview, and he got the job with Wally. That's great. Now, on the day that you uh, actually were going to go back to the final, the final interview, I understand that you almost didn't go because you had a, a special meeting. Definitely. I was a Cub Scout at the time. Yeah. And I was a very dedicated Cub Scout. And, um, you know, they, I wanted to go to the meeting. So my mom said, well, wait a minute, you know, we've been, and it, you have to realize this was an interview that had almost every child actor and people who were trying to be child actors in Los Angeles. Wow. So literally maybe a hundred people just for the part of the beaver, but also in New York and Chicago oh. and a couple other places. So it wasn't just one, you know, one interview. We had been going back for many callbacks over and over again. So, and you didn't know you were going to get the job. So um, I said, Mom, I can't go. I have a you know, Cub Scout meeting. And she said, well, you know, <laughs> we spent a lot of time on this particular interview, and the Cub Scout meeting wasn't until maybe an hour after school. And yes. she said, this is the final one um, where they just want to look at you with a couple of Wallies or whatever. And so I went there, and I got the job. But if I hadn't gone back for that last interview, I probably wouldn't have ever been the Beaver. And, and don't you think that the, the the fact that you went and I believe you you wore your Cub Scout Cub Scout uniform, and and they asked you uh, if you wanted to be there, and what did you say to them? Well, I said, well, I I, I like you guys. This is I, I would really like to do the show. I mean, not in those exact words, <laughs> but I said if if I don't get out of here right now. I'm going to be late for my my Cub Scout meeting. <laughs> my mom, you know, all the other kids, because it was down to the the last very few people, sure. had spent quite a bit of time in there. Right. And so I walked in and probably in you know, like three or four minutes walked back out. And my mom said, what happened? How come you came out so fast? And I said, well, they asked me if I wanted to be here. And I said, no, I'd rather be at my Cub Scout meeting. <laughs> And they called that night and said I got the job because they'd rather have a kid that wanted to go to school. Oh, how great. How great is that? How great is that? And what's great is that you, you continue to have that kind of persona in the way that you've conducted yourself and your life, and it's just so uh, so admirable. Uh, well, thank you. So, Jerry, the Leave it to Beaver, is it the longest-running, continuous television show? Absolutely, to my knowledge. It started in 1957, and it has never been off the air. In fact, now it's playing, you know, almost every day, and it plays all over the world. I mean, I speak all these foreign languages, and it's really funny because in some of the countries, 
they even have a little girl dub my voice so that the voice sounds young. Oh. <laughs> it's on MeTV here in the United States. And in Japan, what, what do they call it? Uh, happy Boy and His Family, because I guess the, the, the verbiage for Leave it to Beaver didn't make any sense. So right. They just called me the Happy Boy and His Family. That's funny. Do you have a favorite episode? You know, the very first one was a lot of fun. That's the, it's called Captain Jack, and it's where Beaver and Wally, at those times, you could send away to Florida and get a live alligator sent to you for a few dollars. And Wally and the Beaver want a pet, probably a dog. But their parents say, no, you're not responsible enough. So we decide that we're going to uh, order of an alligator through the mail. You could do it at, at, in the inside cover of a comic book. <laughs> and uh, we get it, and all of a sudden, Ward, I think it's Ward, discovers it and goes, you know. And he said, you know, if you'd have just come to us, we could have talked about a pet or something like that. The funny part is we never had any pets on Leave it to Beaver. We never had a, da- that's a right. dog or a cat. That's right. Or cats in the show a couple of times, but that's because it's, it's just like a kid. When, when you're a child, you have to have your parents there. Well, an animal requires an animal trainer. We were on a very tight budget, so the beaver was as much as they got. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're right, exactly. Now, uh, speaking of a tight budget, I understand that the, the episode that cost the most was the, uh, I believe it was a Zesto... Soup bowl? Absolutely. I have, the, the, just to refresh people's memory, um, there's a big billboard, and I climb up in it to see if there's really soup, because it's Zesto soup. <laughs> but there wasn't a billboard on the back lot of Universal, so they had to build an actual billboard in the back lot to get a lot of the, the, uh, the shots of it. And then we went inside to get the close-ups, but they actually built it. And so it cost them several thousand dollars to build a billboard with a big bowl of soup on it. And I actually climbed up it and, you know, pretended to fall in. And it was a lot of fun because I didn't have to go to school that much that week because by the time they took me up there with all the different safety precautions, they had a big thing around me so I wouldn't fall and stuff like that. So the teacher said that we could make it up for the next two weeks. I did an extra, I think it was an hour and a half every day of school. That's great. That's great. And, and I love that uh, even while you're up there and then they're, they're calling the, uh, the fire department and now Wally and, uh, and Eddie Haskell and his friends, they don't even know that it's you. And no, they're just thinking, boy, what kind of a stupid kid would call a soup <laughs> <laughs> or a soup bowl? Oh, that's great. You know, uh, th- there's a lot of things that uh, I think people don't know about you. You're so multifaceted, but the, you know, you're business savvy, you're an educational background. But also, they may not know that in the, in the 60s, after Leave it to Beaver, they had an idea for a, a follow-up program, didn't they? Another show? They, they, they definitely did. They, they wanted to do um, a show very much like Leave it to Beaver, but I had never been to school. I had a private tutor, right. but I'd never been, and I, I, it was my freshman year in high school, and one of the things I didn't get to do was sports, and I'd always wanted to play sports. So I, I, went, to a, I went to high school, and we had other offers for different series and things like that. But I went, I was on the football team and the, uh, the track team and had a, a, a really good experience being together because when I was doing Leave it to Beaver from basically the first to the eighth grade, um, because I had done movies in between there sometimes, uh, I had never really been in a classroom. I had had, and they're the best teachers in the world because they're from the U- L.A. Unified School District, yes. but the studio picks the best people for your age group. And so it was just a wonderful education. And when I went to high school, I was 
honestly a little bit ahead of everybody else because I had, you know, moved into a lot of uh, upper mathematics and things like that. And your parents were okay with that. I mean, you didn't have backstage parents who were kind of egging you on. You got to got to do this. Absolutely not. My dad uh, actually retired as a superintendent of L.A. City Schools. But when I was doing Leave It to Beaver, he was a counselor and then head counselor for different high schools. And my mom was, uh, you know, just a regular mom who had been walking through a department store, and somebody said, your, your kid fits the clothes. Could he be a model? And it just started like that. So you actually were discovered. It wasn't like you set out to, uh, No, you know. it wasn't like she was a stage mom who exactly. was pushing me all the time. Exactly. And, you know, back then, if you did a live TV show, if you did it right, that was it. I mean, they, if they had somebody that cried, walked out there, wouldn't go out, didn't say the lines, they were in trouble. So then I, <laughs> and when you did live TV, then you started doing movies, and after that, uh, you know, Leave It to Beaver came up. Sure, sure. So you, you've, you're, you're in high school now, and, and you started a band. I had Beaver and the Trappers. We used to record for Atlantic Records. Um, and during the summer, that was my summer job. I'd go to, you know, a lot of uh, state fairs and all sorts of different things where they had basically a lot of people, and I'd go, uh, I'd pick up a band. Uh, I was the lead singer, and I'd bring my music, and we would, you know, sing for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, and I'd sign autographs. So that was my summer job, and it was really a lot of fun. And what was your big single? Oh, Happiness Is and Don't You Cry. Don't so You Cry. Happy and Sad. They were uh, written by Nino and April. Sure. Uh, who were, Tempo. Uh, they had hit songs at the time, but he was the writer, and he produced it, and uh, it was for Atlantic Records, so it was a big record company, and I go around and, and promo it and a lot of times do appearances. Don't you cry, you know I hate to see you crying. Dry your eyes, I didn't mean to make you blue. Hoo hoo. When I told you I was sweet on Mary, baby, I was only being contrary. Don't you know, I was only teasing you. And I noticed that on uh, on the uh, on the record that uh, Jimmy Haskell, no relation to Eddie Haskell, uh, Jimmy Haskell uh, did the strings, and uh, I mean that was that's the top of the line there. There you had you were in great company. Well, yeah, you know, I I I didn't know them, but the people that did the the record were some of the top. Uh, they were Nino and uh, April Temple, who, who did uh, I think it was Deep Purple. Deep Purple, they yes, were very very much into the record business so they hired the very top people and we did it uh, you know all first class so it was it was really fun and you know that was my summer job i'd go around to all the different places and and sing at uh, state fairs and stuff like that so it was a fun life i bet so so you're 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 out of high school you're in college uh you get your degree where did you go from there well i honestly and i'm not trying to boast or anything but i had a lot of money and when you're 21 suddenly because I'd been working since I was two years old, the court says, okay, here's your money. And I thought to myself, and I talked to over with my parents and counselors, um, I needed to know what to do with that money. And where do you go when you need advice? You go to a bank. Well, what did I do? I joined a bank, and I became a uh, an operations officer and a loan officer. I'd gone to Berkeley at the time, so I had a degree um and I did that for several years, and I became a loan officer, and I was making very big you know, loans to people to buy houses here in California. And I thought to myself, this is my check, and this guy, for, I just made him a loan, and he's going to sell this property, and he's going to get how much money? Oh, my, I think I'll do that. And 
when I did that, my time became a lot freer, and I decided that I could do some acting jobs, and they came to me, and then we did the new Leave it to Beaver, and there's a hundred episodes of that, and it was me being a father, and I had a son like Wally and the Beaver, and Tony Dow, um, who played Wally in the show, had a little girl, right. so there was a, uh, you know, a more feminine side to uh, the Leave it to Beaver show, and we did that for six years, but it was fun for me because I got to go back, and of course, Sadly, Hugh Beaumont had passed away, but I got to see Barbara Billingsley oh. and and uh, Ken Osmond and Frank Bank, and it was really like a, a great reunion, and it was just so much fun. And suddenly, I got to move into a, a part that you know it was like I'd been an understudy all my life. I played the Beaver, and now I got to move into the Ward part. He was actually a uh, a preacher before he became an actor, right? Well, he was a Methodist minister, and he came uh, and he went down, and he had. Uh, what he wanted to do was start uh, a, a congregation, but for some of the poorest and most needy, uh, the drunks in downtown L.A. And, of course, they couldn't support a ministry, and he became Michael Shane. Now, a lot of people don't know it anymore, but Michael Shane, before movies, in the movie theaters, they used to have what they called shorts. And Michael Shane was this really tough detective that, you know, if he wanted information, he grabbed you by the collar and whatever. So it wasn't anything like a minister at all. It looked like (laughs) this really tough detective. So when he got Leave it to Beaver, he was really happy because I think that showed him much more in his, you know, kind of guiding spirits when he, he would take the beaver in and talk to him. I think that's the way. And he still was an active minister when we were doing Leave it to Beaver. Now, I didn't at that time have a, a, you know, a church because he was working in a full-time job, but he used to go on Sundays and do you know, like guest, uh, guest sermons at different uh, uh, churches mm. in, in the area. How beautiful. Now, something happened to you in 1996 that changed your life and your lifestyle. I think what you're, you're talking about is I um, had put on quite a bit of weight. I, at that time, um, was working as an actor, but I started to invest some of the money I had made from Leave It to Beaver and the new Leave It to Beaver. And one of the businesses that I was running at the time was a catering business. And I was doing studio catering, so I'd go into a, either a TV show or a movie, and I might want to show them 15 or 20 dinners because I may be serving them every day and an entire crew of maybe 100 to 150 people. So I started eating a lot, and I put on a lot of weight. And, you know, I looked around me, and a lot of people were overweight, and I was very definitely overweight, and I had a very good friend of mine that was a doctor, and I'd always, always been a pretty skinny kid, and she said, you know, Jerry, you can't put on this kind of weight, and you should come in for a physical. And I said, I feel great, you know, I, I'm too busy to come in for a physical. Mm. And she finally gave me a physical for Christmas as a Christmas present. <laughs> I went in there, and she said, if you don't do something, you have diabetes that's out of control you haven't got a whole lot of time left on your clock on this earth if you mm. don't come in and do something about it right away. And I was absolutely shocked. I mean, I felt good. I, you know, it wasn't like I had pain or anything. And I thought, gee, this doctor basically saved my life. And I lost the weight, and now I'm pre-diabetic and have been for many, many years now. But I thought a lot of people don't have a good friend like that that's a doctor. Right. Maybe I could use that and go out and talk to people, use Leave it to Beaver to tell them about all the fun I had. Maybe I could do that to help people that are overweight that might have diabetes. It's not like, you know, you stub your toe and it hurts. I mean, I knew that I was overweight, and people said, well, you know, you, you, should, take, you should go on a diet. 
But I thought, well, why should I go on a diet? I'm having the good life. You yeah. know, this is what I've waited for all my life. I can have a big breakfast, a big <laughs> lunch, go out to dinner, you have a wonderful time. Yeah. Oh, gee, I'm a little overweight, but I looked around. A lot of people are overweight, and suddenly you go, That's right. well, what? This is going to kill you. And you say, oh, that's something I didn't plan on. Yeah, one day the party's over. Well, listen, yeah. Jerry Mathers, you are just the exact same person that I met back in, in the 1970s. There are a lot of people who through their business, especially in show business, become American icons. You certainly fit into that category, but you also fit into the category of being a, a role model for uh, for young people, for people my age, for people who uh, literally you know want the best for, uh, for themselves, their family, their life. And I just uh, commend you for, for all that you've done on behalf of all your fans. And also our country. So... You know, it's it's just a, a privilege, basically, and I realize what a privileged life I've had. And I've been, in some ways, have people look up to me, but, uh, you know, I've tried to, to do my best my whole life, and I was just so lucky to be able to be a part of Leave it to Beaver, which is just such a wonderful show and has so many good moral lessons for kids and things that were happening to kids in the 50s and 60s. People say it was a different time, it was a different time, but those same basic things are still happening today. Amen. Amen. All right, Jerry. Well, I, I hope to uh, to have another conversation with you in the uh, not-too-distant future. Uh, keep on keeping on, and God bless you on everything that you're doing. Thank you very much. Anytime. All right, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's my visit with the Beave. You'll find more about Jerry Mathers by visiting sunnyradio.com slash show, where you can also subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss an episode. Till next time, I'm Sonny Melendrez, and just in case anyone tries to give you the business, here's a little tip from Wally and the Beaver. Boy, Beaver, wait till the guys find out you're hanging around with a girl. Boy, they'll really give you the business. But gee, Wally, you hang around with girls, and the guys don't give you the business. Well, that's because I'm in high school. You can do a lot of stuff in high school without getting the business.